one. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the Keith Battle Podcast. Thank you so much for your support. Hey, make sure you like us, you subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever, wherever you listen to this. Make sure you subscribe and give us your feedback. And uh, just thank y'all for in every week. And uh, hopefully this uh, podcast has been a blessing to your life. It's certainly a blessing to me to be able to come on and share with you each and every week. Uh, this week, I'm really excited to have a special guest, uh, uh, the new author. Uh, he's not a new author because he's written several books before this, but uh, Pastor Eric Kellum uh, started off working at Zion Church as a middle school director. Then he moved from there to become what was it? The merge arts director. Yeah. Was that creative service director? Creative arts. Creative arts director. Yeah. And then you became the director of Merge, and Merge was a youth ministry combination between Zion Church and the First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. Both churches were in the state of Maryland, and we brought our youth ministries together, and then he directed that. Then he became the lead pastor of our Woodbridge, Virginia location for about four and a half years after that. Now he is currently the lead pastor of our iCampus, our biggest campus now. So thank you for being here. He is the the author of the book, Sexual Healing. Yes. Welcome, everybody. Mr. Eric Kellum. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. My man, my man. That was applause. You just didn't hear it in the background. Okay, thanks for the everybody out there. It's a clap. Yeah, electronic applause. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, Eric, how long have you been married and how many kids do you have? Woo. Uh, it will be 20 years in August. And uh, we have five children, four girls, one boy. Okay, what are the ages of your children? My only begotten son is 18, and then my mm-hmm. girls are stair steps at uh, 15, soon to be 13, soon to be 11, and 9. Okay, y'all done? It is finished, my brother. Ah, the Greek word is tetelestai. Yes, sir. You say it on the cross. Yes. <laughs> well, man, you made a significant contribution to the biblical verse, be, fruit, be fruitful and multiply. You have, you have really followed that edict. Well, I tell folks we didn't have cable when we got married, so we had to figure out some things to do to pass the time. Ah, ah. And you'll find out later on in this podcast that even though they had five children, they did not have a very pleasant sexual life. So stay tuned for that. We're going to be talking about sex today, y'all, and, and uh, talking about it in a way that um, is straightforward but helpful. Mm-hmm. Now, you wrote a book called "Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up." <laughs> Let's make love tonight, huh? Nah, you can't do that, man. The attorneys will come after me. You know, wise <laughs> people be going after folks. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna get that bank. So be careful. Be careful. <laughs> uh, sexual healing. You wrote that. Why? Um, well, I think you alluded to it, man. One time, uh, Susie and I were being intimate and I said, man, this is great. And it wasn't just that it was great. It was consistently great. Like it was multiple times that we were having sex and it was like not hit or miss. It was consistent. And before that it was hit or miss, or we were just off. And even before that, you know, 2008, um, 
there was a time when making love to my wife, she, I felt like I was making love to a corpse. Um, she, she was uh, emotionally dead in the relationship. And so I told her, I said, this is great. I said, I need to write a book about this. And she said, heck no. And she said, I don't want my business out there. And I told her, well, look, I'm not, I'm not going to share about anything about our business unless you give me permission. But I feel like I need to share about the stuff that I picked up. I learned when I was a kid all the way through my teenage years, because there's a lot of brothers that's going through some other issues similar to this. And she wasn't having it. So I pulled a Keith Battle um, move because I remember when you said you started the church, you said Vicky wasn't wasn't feeling you starting a church. And so you just held back. You just you didn't do anything. And so I just held back. I said, all right, God, if this is something you want me to do, then I'm going to let you move her heart. And, you know, we just happened to counsel different couples and would come up with similar topics with, you know, when we talk about sex and intimacy. And she came to me and said, you know what? You need to write this book. So she gave wow. me permission. Um, I, I I gave her veto power over everything that I wrote, and she didn't use it a lot. She has some concerns here or there, but then a step forward is she writes the forward for the she wrote the forward for the book. And it's mm-hmm. really blessing a blessing to get her take before people actually enter into the conversation through book format. Wow, that's great. That's great. You you mentioned earlier that. Somewhere around 2008, when you all would be together and make love, be intimate, when you would be that way with your wife, you felt like you were connecting with, would you say you said a mannequin, a robot or something like that? You use a term. I felt like I was having sex with a corpse. I felt like um, January 8, 2008, um, Susie had caught me um, in an emotional affair. She didn't know that that would be mm-hmm. one of many emotional affairs. We'd never had a book side chickology to refer to back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, for, thanks for the plug. <laughs> and um, that was like, honestly, that was like hell on earth. I mean, I remember I went to a wise pastor uh, for counseling and he told me, some days are going to be okay days. Some days are going to be bad days. Some days are going to be worse days. And when you have your okay days, you're going to thank God they're not your worst days. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, up until that point, I was so, I was so miseducated about sex. I'm ashamed to say there were times prior to that. There was one time me and Susie had sex and she had pneumonia and I didn't mm-hmm. care. I was just like trying to get mine. And mm-hmm. so, you don't you sometimes you don't really realize what what your how sick or perverted your behavior is until you're about to lose the thing you value most and i remember one day she was just laying there and that just really convicted me and i said i need to i need to change the game i need to wow yeah what do you what do you think had her what do you think made her emotionally close to you or made her distant emotionally when where she literally felt like a corpse to you you could feel it physically you could feel her you could feel her emotion showing up in her body what do you think caused that uh well prior to that um i think she had a image of what our marriage really was or what she had an image of what our marriage was and it wasn't it wasn't the the reality and um i think getting that exposure 
of one emotional affair. And then she got, she got into this inspector gadget mode where she was checking phone logs and, um, internet history. And she saw that, you know, essentially off and on for the first eight years that we were married, it was, it was a lot of lies. Yeah. So that caused her to be numb and she was just going through the motions. Um, yeah, you know, you know, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you know, a lot of people, I think, minimize emotional affairs. And why would a woman be so upset about an emotional affair? I mean, he didn't, he didn't have sex. He didn't have sex with the woman. But you know what? What, what I think is important for us to understand is that an emotional affair is just as, if not even more powerful, than a physical one. Because once your heart is connected to somebody and you start getting close to somebody emotionally, that's that that tie is is can be difficult to sever as well. And, you know, because, you know, not that either is is right, um, but a man can have sex with a woman and not have feelings for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, you even said it in your own marriage, like. My wife had pneumonia. I was like, I don't care. I'm getting some. Like we can be, we can be sexual without being connected. Mm-hmm. But if you do connect with somebody who you're not even sleeping with, you can get very close to that person. I, I, and I think, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I, but I, what I think is, I think women understand that and our wives understand that. And I think that's why she was so deeply hurt because here you are being emotionally close to somebody that's not her, but she's not getting that kind of emotional closeness, which is very interesting. So I, I, I think that's, I think that's anyway, that's my, that's my thought yeah. about it. What are your thoughts on that? I would even go so far to say in many cases, the emotional affair is worse than the physical affair. And I'm not saying every it's a case, I okay. I but I mean, look at the fact that you have women that are willing to be prostitutes like mm-hmm. they're willing to compartmentalize their sexuality from their well-being. They're able to cut that off in order to make a living or the fact that a lot of women who are not sexually satisfied in marriages are able to just cut that off and say, well, he's got to get his. It's something that a woman is able to do. Whereas when you deal with an emotional connection, like it's exactly what you just said. Yeah, you, you know, she she uh she must have meant something to you. Like, yeah, you had a one night stand with such and such. That's fine. She's just mm-hmm. she's just a, 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 you know, a side piece. But this person is not, not fine, but it's but it's, but you, I, it's not fine. Right. 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 I can deal with that more than you sharing your soul or your heart or your innermost thoughts. You know, I, 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 and here's the thing, man. I used to mitigate uh, my behavior by justifying and saying, at least I'm not physically cheating. Right. You know, that's a trap. That's the biggest trap I got into. Yeah. And so when she called me an adulterer, I said, no, I'm not because I didn't have sex with nobody. But in the biblical definition, I, I actually was. And I yeah. Own that. Deep, 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 deep. So 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 let's let's go. Let's go into some of the content of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of your chapters is entitled God Made Orgasms. Yes, he did. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I feel that, you know, I feel by the way, out of all the things he made, I think that's some of his best work. Glory to God. Yes. Can you elaborate on that title a little bit? Just that, just that whole chapter a little bit. So the chapter is, is really intended before we get into the book to kind of, um, get folks back into the mindset that the author of sex was God. 
like mm-hmm. know it. Like there's certain things that in life we we say we know, but then our actions and our behavior say differently. Like sometimes we say, yeah, I, I know mom loves me, but I don't know to the extent of how much she loves me. I know, I know God made sex, but I'm going to go to society to educate me on sex. I'm not going to go to God or I'm not going to go to the church. And so, you know, not only saying that God created sex, but he went to the detail, not in creating sex that he put pleasure sensors in the male and female parts. He was very intentional and very strategic that this was going to be more than just procreation. Um, mm. This is going to be for a pleasure. Um, this is going to be for a renewal of a covenant. And so just, just really going back, you know, if, if my garage door was broken mm-hmm. and I'm not going to go to somebody that's a plumber to see how to fix my garage door, I'm wow. going to the architect or the, the, the person that created the garage door, the manufacturer or a contractor that has studied the work of the manufacturer. But subliminally, when we have issues with our sex life, we don't go to the church because we know that God has something to do with it. But the church doesn't really know or have many conversations about sex. So we're not going to go there. And, and, you know, this is God's creation. Uh, I love it. Yeah. No, I love it. I think that's great. How you, how you picture that. And I I love it. I love your insight on it. And and I really want y'all to check it out. His book is available on Amazon. Again, it's called sexual healing by Eric, Eric Redmond. Eric Redmond, Eric, Eric Kellum is the author of the book, sexual healing, pick it up. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, where else can people get the book? Is there any reason can they call you? Can they go to the website? Where where can they get a copy of the book? Um, well, you can get it on e- the ebooks. You can get it on Amazon, um, uh, Barnes and Nobles, iBooks. Um, you can also get uh, the printed copies on get on uh, the website getsexualhealing.com. Getsexualhealing.com. Nice, 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 nice. One day we'll come back and have you talk about just the process of writing a book. Um, let's talk about. You, you wrote this book because of the the metamorphosis that your own marriage experienced in the world in the realm of sex, right? But you also, in your research, have kind of realized that there's a lot of sexual dysfunction that exists in our society and in our culture. Um, talk about that. What are some of the sexual dysfunctions in our society and culture, and how can people be healed from it? Because I think that's some of what you're you're getting at in this book. How do people can be sexually healed of dysfunction? Can you talk about that? What are this, this what are those dysfunctions and how can people be healed from? Yeah, I, so I mentioned I, I say in the book I'm I was sexually sick and symptoms or dysfunctions as you say that I, I refer to are uh, masturbation, pornography, um, erectile dif- dysfunction, um, premature ejaculation. Um, and then was something I call intimacy deficiency. And it's, it's a, a inability what we're able to, it's a deficiency to be vulnerable and intimate and in sex, because we really need intimacy um, as a key. Some people think or, or, or say that intimacy is synonymous with sex. Um, intimacy can, can be a key expression of sex, but you can have sex and not even be intimate. And mm-hmm. society has educated us particularly for men to um, to have sex and not even be intimate. And for a lot of brothers, like we could, 
we can lift weights in the weight room. You know, we can rescue somebody out of a building. But to share our very vulnerable feelings and intimacy of who we are, that feels mm-hmm. like kryptonite to us. So when you when you talk about how do you find healing in all these, I mean, I, I take time to unpack each one of these, but I share the mm-hmm. book in, the, in a chronological um, order of what took place in my life. And I give this disclaimer throughout the book. Like I don't claim to be an expert. I've been, I've been an expert of being sexually sick and I picked up and learned some things of how to be healed, but I'm not trying to say that this worked for me. So it's definitely going to work for you. Um, but I do talk about like, you know, I was exposed to porn at eight years old and had those images in my head that led to masturbation. Um, and some people even ask the question, well, with masturbation, um, you, you know, is, is that really wrong? Because the Bible doesn't seem like it's clear about it. And, you know, I talk about, you know, just the knowledge of understanding that you're having sex with yourself. And when you are having sex with yourself, at some point it's going to con- uh, bleed into or conflict with the sexual intimacy that you're going to have with your wife. Um, and the tendencies that you have in sexing, having sex with yourself, it's completely different than the mindset that you should or would have when having sex with your wife. Um, so yeah, man, that's, that's, it's a lot. Like, so, so let's go deeper into that. Sure. So somebody that may be arguing for the, you know, well, Hey man, you know, it's better. At least masturbation is better than, crossing a line with somebody else and being with another real person, how is it going to affect me connecting with uh, a significant other, my wife, a spouse? Can you just unpack that a little more? How, how does it affect a person? Yeah. When we talk about solo sex is what I'm saying. So if solo sex is unhealthy uh, because of the impact it will have on me when I try to connect. Right. 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 Connection, right. Uh, yeah. You follow me? Yeah, I follow you. So one of the things that I share, uh, I'm very transparent about my encounters in the book. And so there's one thing that I learned. You know, I went through this phase that um, I had I had sex. I lost my virginity. It wasn't that great. Wasn't a pleasant experience. Um, I had sex a couple other times, but it was too much drama emotionally with females. And then around the same time, I discovered masturbation. And so my thought was bet. I can do masturbation like uh, I don't, I'm, don't have to get nobody pregnant. I ain't got to worry about any sexual diseases. So, man, I became a professional masturbator. Yes, I did. Oh, yes, I did. I mean, it was off the chain, but it went to the point where it was got excessive. And then the next time that I um, had sex with the young lady, man, I probably ejaculated in like 30 to 60 seconds since I was uh, from the time that I was inside of her. And if you look at statistics right now, it'll say that medical experts, and I know there are mixed opinions about this, but some medical experts will say that uh, excessive masturbation leads to uh, premature ejaculation. And I mean, it really makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because the idea of masturbation is totally contradictory to the uh, idea of godly sexual intimacy. The idea of masturbation is I'm going into this to get something out of it. 
The idea of um, intimacy with your spouse is I'm going into this experience to completely give to my spouse. So one is to get, the other is to give. One is lust, the other is love. So I'm framing, I'm shaping myself physically to get an orgasm, to get a release out of this, as opposed to trusting and depending on my spouse to give me an orgasm or release as we continue to explore this sexual journey together. I'm robbing my spouse of that experience. Because I'm creating that own sexual um, experience with myself. Got you. Got you. Got you. That's good. You mentioned another kind of sickness or problem or dysfunction being erectile dysfunction. Can you talk about that? Because that's a big struggle for men, especially, you know, as men get older. What What are some things men can do to overcome erectile dysfunction? Well, a lot of things are really common sense, but either they men don't know about it or it hasn't become a big issue in their marriage. Their wife hasn't made a big issue about it or, or whatever. But I mean, simple exercise. I talk about exercise. It's, it's just you in order to make sure that you are able to salute for that special occasion, your blood has to flow. And, and doctors will tell you, um, let you know, exercising on a regular basis um, continues to regulate the circulation all throughout your body. Lifting weights helps to regulate, uh, regular, um, bring regularity to, um, your system. What you put into your body as far as toxins, um, has a significant, um, degree as to, um, what you're going to produce sexually. You know, even fasting is a spiritual component. But sometimes there are things you need to release or discharge from your body that are toxins that are blocking um, certain parts of your body and, and preventing you from being flowing in the areas where you would want to flow from. <laughs> I don't want to break the flow. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. I tell the story, man. Um, when I was a sophomore in high school, I was supposed to lose my virginity, right? And... Uh, I was supposed to have sex with this young lady. I didn't even know her for like a week, but um, we were supposed to have sex. She was butt naked in my, my bedroom. My parents were out of town and I could not get erect. And, and, and she snickered. She went back to school. She told the entire school about it. They had this little thing that they did where they would have their index finger pointed up and they would bend their finger. And that represented me and they did that through the entire school for two weeks it's probably the most embarrassing embarrassing thing that i ever experienced in my life it's all like how how does a 16 year old kid have erectile dysfunction at the age of 16 but you know again sex sex embodies more than just a physical act like they were pressures that I wasn't even ready to walk into. Now, there's a lot of stress that men have from their jobs or other things that are weighing on them and they don't have healthy outlets to get that out of the way. And that all can be combined and in, 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 um, get in the way of their sexual intimacy with their wife. Wow. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty deep. I, I wonder maybe in another conversation, maybe we can talk about how, whether or not that impacted you as an adult, just from a confidence standpoint or, you know, having to overcome that traumatic experience, um, you know, just talking about people who experience sexual trauma, because in some ways, even though it would be what we would call from a faith space an inappropriate sexual moment, there was still some trauma associated with it from the standpoint of shame and embarrassment that could, you know, that could impact. And I think that happens in people's lives, too, that people need to be healed from sexual trauma. Um, 
and drama that happened um, in their life because of some inappropriate thing that happened or something that happened that wasn't that wasn't um, healthy or shameful or even painful. Yeah. So um, obviously, you know, your book um, trying to, you know, it, although it's not a medical manual, it 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 is a work that addresses a whole lot of things as it relates to sexual matters that need to be healed in our lives. So again, sexual healing, want to get y'all to check that book out. More questions. Let's shift now. I want to ask you about children. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest things, I think I heard you say somewhere that only 17% of men learned about sex from their fathers. I think I heard you say that recently. Some, some real, real low statistic. As a parent, you have five children and your children, as you said, range from, you know, you know, elementary age through high school, soon to be college. When do you have the sex talk? When do you when do you recommend that a parent talk to their child about sex? And secondly, is that sex conversation for you as a dad different for you when you talk to your son than it is for your daughter? Talk to us about that. So I don't really like the phrase, the sex talk. Okay. What do you call it? I, well, I think it's, it's a gradual conversation that you have. Like you don't have the money talk. Okay. You want to start talking about finances at an age where your child is able to comprehend certain financial principles. And as they continue to, to develop in their understanding and intellect, then you give them more to chew on. But yeah. you want to talk about finance. Even you want to talk about savings as soon as they're able to get an allowance. You know what I'm saying? Um, so in the same way, I think when I, I wouldn't put a, a concrete age on it because I think that's up for the parent. Um, particularly if a husband and wife are, are, are parenting or even if they're not married, but they are parenting together, they've got to agree on that age. But I would say when your child is at an age that they are able to identify that they have a unique part that is different um, from someone of the opposite sex, then that's when you begin that process and not shy away from that conversation. I have this funny story that I'll never forget. It's, 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 uh, my daughter gave me permission to share it. Um, when she was four, she, uh, my daughter Taylor and my son was seven. We were riding in the car and she said, out of the blue, Eric, Eric Sean, that's my son's name. She said, uh, you have a penis and I have a bedina. And nah. he says, I know Taylor. And she says, uh-huh. And mama has a bedina and daddy has a penis and mama has a bedina and dada has a bedina. Now I don't know why she said dada had a bedina, but she was four years old and it was clear to her that she made a distinction. Now, I mean, you know, we didn't walk around the house naked or anything, but probably in the midst of people taking baths, you know, just family being family, she probably noticed some differences, but at that point, we were made. We made sure we didn't shy away from that conversation as far as her sexuality or the definition. You know, a basic definition: sex is a gift for mommy and daddy in the context of marriage. Um, certain things, as far as conversations with my kids, you know, as they get older, um, when when Eric began to um, really experience changes in puberty, um, I probably talked to him more so about certain. You know, ch um, things like masturbation and pornography and the challenges um, 
you know, that happened. But even in our culture or, or in our context of how Susie and I parent, sometimes we will say mommy and daddy's going to close the door or mommy and daddy are going to to have sex because we don't want sex to be a bad word. We don't want sex to be a taboo word. And our kids will frown their nose, nose and we'll say, well, where do you think you, you got here from? But it's a regular part of life because it's a healthy part of life. It's something that God created. To your second part of your question, I'll be honest with you. It's probably harder to talk to my son than it is to talk to my girls. And I know that might seem strange because typically it would be the norm. It's not hard for me to talk to either. Um, but it, when I first started the conversations with my son, this is something that a lot of men probably fear and probably don't want to have the conversations is if I start talking to you about this, then you're going to ask me about my past. And I don't want to share necessarily what happened with my past. Mm-hmm. I look at it from a different way. Like if I bump my head by going down this path, I don't want you to bump your head the same way. Like my son knows very, very intimately um, what happened with his mom and I, the, the, the journey, you know, that we had that, you know, I've talked to him about the struggles that I had. And we're afraid of that question. Well, if you did it, why can't I? So I'm very graphic and, and, and descriptive of showing the shortcomings and the fallings and the downfalls and the misery because I did so that you have the full understanding of it. And maybe it will discourage you from doing so. Um, you know, there's a, uh, there's another antidote or uh, situation in the book where, um, I was at home. Um, parents go out of town a lot. I was a senior and my dad told me to, um, he said, nobody should come to the house. I don't want anybody at the house while we're away. And so obviously I'm a senior. I'm not going to listen to that. And I had a lady come over and, um, we were intimate and he came back and he went straight to the basement and he went to get the sheets out the laundry room. And he said, I thought I told you nobody over and I forgot to wash the laundry and clean the sheets. And he was like, well, and he was waiting for me to give an explanation and I knew he was about to kill me. And so I was like, Eric, think, think, what do I say? What do I say? And I just said, I masturbated. And as soon as I said, I masturbated, he put the sheets down he walked away and he didn't say anything else. And that could have been the perfect opportunity for him to sit me down and say, son, and just go over, you know, that conversation. But he was paralyzed. And I think a lot of men were paralyzed and we don't know. And it's uncomfortable, but we have to be, we got to start being comfortable being uncomfortable until it feels like it's a common thing for us to have a conversation. Man, you're saying some deep stuff, man. And I think you're saying stuff that people don't want to talk about. It's even uncomfortable for people to listen to. I mean, people probably are like, Ugh, you know, even while listening to the podcast. But again, you know, this this beautiful thing that God created has become so dirtied and so sullied by society um, that even you know, in our own families where we are families and we have faith and we believe God did this, we still treat it like it's something bad. Yeah, we do. And and I, and I think that's what you're saying and that's what you experience. And even when you said, I mean, I'm really, I'm about to ask the question because I know somebody is thinking the same thing. So you and Susan literally announced to your children that y'all about to have sex. I mean, we don't go and make the announcement like, hey, y'all, we got to go have sex. 
But um, if we, if we, we'll make a joke or we'll say we might be hugged up and say, all right, well, mommy and daddy are going into the room or allude to what well, you know we're about to do. And they'll say, "Ooh, that's nasty because it's, 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 and it's going to be nasty for a child. Like when I think about, you know, if my, if I were to think about my parents having sex, that's really gross because right. your, your perception of sex and then your perception, it's like your, your teacher having, you know, what I'm saying? you don't think about that. But again, there's still a part of this intimacy that I think that even though the act itself seems like it's sick for a child, they, you know, your parents are connecting. And it's right. a good thing that your parents are connecting. It's a good thing that they have this type of relationship. And you may not feel it at this particular point as a child, but when you're older, you want something like that as your continue, feelings continue to develop. Um, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I guess you kind of want your children to be saying, uh, I mean, you don't want them to get so close, so cool with it that afterwards your son walks up to you and says, well, so how'd it go, Pops? Nah. <laughs> you know, you don't want that either, you know? So, no, no, I, I, no absolutely not. <laughs> right, 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 right. So You're not going to ask that question either. You know, I mean, the very, I've watched my girl seeing my wife, and, and here's the other thing, display public affection with your side. You know how many couples I see that don't even kiss or even show that they like each other? Mm-hmm. Get married, you know what I'm saying? I, it's 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 really sad to me because your my I've seen my girl see me kiss their mom and say "ew" with a smile on their face. Of course, like, because Ew, but I'm happy to see this. You know absolutely, what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's it's a it's an oxymoronic ooh. Yeah, I, I it's yucky and and sweet at the same time. Mm-hmm. I know y'all are good. I'd rather see y'all kissing than you sleeping in screaming and making me feel like y'all about to go in separate directions. Exactly. Let's talk about your marriage one time as we we're getting close to the end of our time. But you you've said and I've heard you say this repeatedly that your marriage is so much better now um, than it was after the the discovery of your you know emotional affair. Do you believe you would have the quality of marriage that you have now if it weren't for that trauma and drama that you went through? Yeah, I thought about that question. Um, so obviously there's the one side this that definitely I've, I've said many times that the drama that we went through actually brought us closer. Like I really do see how the situation was that, we, that I put us in it forced us. We were either going to be intimate. I was either going to show her the, the as you've put it in many sermons, the holes in my soul mm-hmm. or or we were never going to heal. And so for that, yeah, I see that, that you know, these these tests and these trials made us stronger. At the same token, though, I wonder if I had had the healthy education, the proper education of sex, mm-hmm. intimacy, and if my wife, you know, I mean, she was a virgin when she got married, but even, you know, she she did even with her being a virgin, there was still so much more to to have to have been learned about intimacy. If I had someone, uh, a father, father figure, someone pouring that into me, I wonder if that could have, you know, caused us to not miss a beat or miss a step. Yeah. Like 
we could have just had a sweet life. Like, and I don't know, I'll never know, but I think that's one of the motivations or drives that I have, you know, particularly and directly for my kids is that, yeah, trauma can pull you closer together, but it doesn't have to. Good. You know it doesn't have to. Yeah, I think, I think the help that you got, that you received, was always there. I just think sometimes we don't go seeking it till we know we need it. Yeah. You know, it's like, like, um, but yeah, I'm all for that marriage that doesn't require infidelity, heartbreak, trauma, pain to get better. I'm, I'm for that thing. Listen, let me do what y'all said because y'all already been through it. So let me not learn. Let me not learn from my mistakes. Let me learn from y'all's. <laughs> It just it, it gets in the way because like we were supposed to be starting our business back then, but we had to put on hold certain things as far as our family business because we had to heal. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure, sure. You you know, and again, I, I can't emphasize enough for certain reasons the importance. And I talk about it a chapter in my book about what about the children when you you're comfortable enough to have these conversations for so many reasons, because you don't want the generation after you to go through what you've been through. And then, you know, for another reason, I really believe that certain things that I'm unable to, to cover or address in my life is going to be passed down to my kids. And I don't want them to have to inherit certain things because I never sat down and talked to them about it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Final question. What are you hoping that your book will do? in our society? What, do you, what is your hope for your book? Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that um, men will begin to have conversations. I'm really hoping to um, redefine and get rid of this taboo or stigma about sex and sexuality in the church. Uh, I'm really hoping that it gives a, a better perception of sex and sexuality and the ownership of it to God, to people that don't go to church. Um, I, I've seen a lot of men and we hear about the R. Kelly's and the Robert Crafts, so it doesn't discriminate based on race. But this is an issue that's suppressing a lot of men because they have no one to talk to. Even if this just provokes, even if and I, I say in my book, even if your journey was different from mine and, and, and you don't agree, you could at least have the conversation. Because right now, men feel like they're an island as it pertains to sexual things, and they have absolutely nobody to talk to. And, you know, we've got to change that. We've got to make this something that we can talk to, obviously, with disc discretion and responsibility. But we've got to have these conversations, um, not just with our kids, but just with men across the board and sharpen each other and challenge each other and give each other accountability. I love it, man. And I'm, I join you. I hope your book sparks a lot of conversation around this topic and uh, gets a lot of people healed of this of this issue and this topic and this subject. How can people connect with you? How can they follow you? How can they invite you to speak or share more about your book? How can people get in touch with you? Um, so folks can follow me or connect with me on um, Instagram or Facebook at Eric Kellum. Um, that's E R I C K E L L U M at Eric Kellum. Uh, they can email me to speak, uh, by emailing EK one speaks at gmail.com and, um, or they can go to get sexual um, and get the book and reach out to me. My man, 
Hey, bro. Thanks for giving us some time today. Thanks for talking to my audience, my listeners, my support base. And, and um, you know, you're a regular on our podcast. So thank you for taking the time out to come talk about your book. And thank you for putting in writing something so important. And big shout out to Susan, too, for having your back and letting the world hear at least a part of your story, because I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. Well, thanks for helping me. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to share. My man. Thank you again, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to this week's this week's edition of the Keep Battle Podcast. And we'll see you right here, right, right back here next week at this same time. God bless you.